Next month, I've got something very special coming up. And the theme is productivity. Because no matter what level of business you're in, what phase you're in, that is one thing that I hear a lot. I feel overwhelmed. I feel stuck. I've got too much to do. I need to recruit a team. I need to worry about my productivity and my team's productivity. So I'm going to do an open workshop, and you heard it here first, uh, all about productivity. In fact, it's going to be different to what you're used to because it's called the Productivity Cure. Because I don't believe in hustle and pushing and striving. Yeah, there's a little bit of hard work involved in growing your own business. Don't listen to those people say that it should be a piece of cake. But you know what? It should be enjoyable. All right? Even making a cake. You have to put in work to make a cake. But enjoying it is good. So it's part of that that philosophy that I come from in terms of when I teach productivity. So... Look out for that. And if you're on my email list, you will get to know first. So leading up to that, I'm going to do a little bit more than usual on areas that relate to our personal and business productivity. And today I want to talk about something that I learned 20 years ago and it has stuck with me ever since. It's called Tales from Brain Surgery. Now, if you've been following me for a while, you know I talk quite a lot about the brain. No, I'm not a neuroscience scientist. I'm not a brain surgeon, but I'm very fascinated. I always have been from a very young age in my late teens about the brain and how it works and how it relates to what we do. And as a leader and and as you as a leader, be aware of what your brain does. You are not going to get where you're going by just pushing harder and try to use willpower. Instead, understand how our body works, how our brain works, how emotions work, and then you will be in a position to not only lead yourself, but lead your world. So truly, it is lead your world from the inside out. So tales from a brain surgery, what on earth is that all about? Now, 20, 25 years ago, when I lived in in the UK, now I was working at the time for a very cutting edge and very amazing change management consultancy based out of Edinburgh in Scotland. Now, at the time, sort of over 20 years ago, working remote from home wasn't so, well, it wasn't as popular as it is now. So I actually enjoyed living and working Uh, from my home office in London and I would get to go up to Scotland, isn't that fantastic, Uh, about once a month and stay up there for a few days. I absolutely loved it and a lot lot of the people I worked with there are still my friends today. It was an amazing and challenging bunch of uh, very intelligent people. Challenging because I felt suddenly I was put into situations where it was beyond me but they believed in me and they saw what I could do and I learned so much. uh, And I really did get out of my shell a lot during that period. Anyway, I was privileged to read a transcript of a lecture by an esteemed French brain surgeon. Now, I don't remember the details. I don't remember his name. And it wasn't even a public lecture. It was I think it was shown or he spoke to an elite group of business leaders 
and uh, we in the office and we in the staff were, were allowed to listen to this to this lecture. And in fact, actually, I think I just even read the transcript. I didn't even get to hear him. But you know what? It's stuck with me ever since. And I'm going to tell you the gist of what that transcript's um, taught now. And there's a lot of teaching out on this and it's a lot more public now. But at the time, it really blew me away. Now, the, the point of the lecture was to explain the physical facts about how blood moves around the brain and in particular, the things to do with our productivity. Now, through his research and experience as a brain surgeon, this, this uh, doctor or surgeon operated mainly on children and through that he came to understand what intelligence is and how he could avoid damage to this intelligence whilst operating. And he did that by observing blood and how it moves through the brain. And uh, look, as an interesting side observation, can I say... Uh, this works with blood sugars as well. My son has diabetes type 1. He actually contracted it when he was two years old. And that's the one where you have insulin, where they get it as a child. And uh, he's he's been on insulin needles since he was two. And I see his blood sugars drop significantly when he's doing lots of mental work or under mental strain. Now, Doctors, I know you'll be up in arms at my medical knowledge here, but I know firsthand the physiological effect of our bodies on our productivity. We all know that when we're tired, when we uh, have, you know, it's when we're sick, obviously it affects it. But yeah, honestly, our bodies have such a big effect on our on our uh, our work, our leadership, our productivity. So from his research on how blood moves around the brain, this surgeon made a few suggestions. Now, the first area was or what he called visual field enhancement. Now, apparently you get one litre of blood every minute pumping through your brain and decision-making uses 800 millilitres a minute. Wow. I mean, how do they measure this thing anyway? So to improve your intelligence by 12%, he suggests working on a clear desk. Wow. And I look at my desk now and it really is messy. <laughs> An empty desk keeps the blood in the part of the brain that requires concentration. So if you have a, have a messy desk, this particular information alone will steal half a litre of blood every minute. So you are only left with the other half litre of blood per minute to do any decision making. Now this applies especially when you're doing work that requires you know, high mental concentration, you might be writing a piece, uh, or high creative work. And it's okay if you're doing other kinds of work, for perhaps you're cleaning your desk or cleaning up your files. Uh, but, you know, it's not enough if you have a high mental task to do. So often when we get up and we've got a messy desk, we we will avoid those important things to do because of that mess and because we know we don't have our full the full blood going through our brains. So that instinct to clean up your desk sometimes is more than procrastination. <laughs> Did you hear that? If you're, it's your brain's attempt to get you into the best state for concentration. So often when you feel, oh, I'm not going to get onto work uh, until I clean up, it's more than just procrastination. Sometimes it is. Let's just name it what it is, all right? But often it's your brain's attempt to get you into that best state for concentration.
Remember when you were at school and you had to study for an exam, how suddenly you had this intense uh, surge to clean up first? Part of it may have been procrastination, but a lot of it was your body or your brain's attempt to get into that best state for concentration. So this means your central field should be empty except for the main task at hand. And we all know that if we clean a desk and just put a notepad and a pen in front of us, we are ready to go. And I'll often do that. I'll move into the kitchen area where it's just a clean table and suddenly I can think a whole lot clearer. And so that means no faces in sight. So work on a clear clear desk. Make sure the central field is empty except for the main task. So if you are... Uh, writing something that you've got just got that in front of you uh, and if faces are in sight if your faces are in those that visual field the high level concentration will also decrease so this goes against that trend for open offices and also for those of you who work from home if you are trying to do that where there are other people around or even if you've got photographs of other people in your field of view when doing concentrated work, you are robbing your brain of all the blood flow that it could potentially use for high concentration work. Isn't that fascinating? And another point on this is don't use overlapping computer screens or have more than one window open. Now, I'm as I'm recording this, I'm looking at my computer and I've probably got about 10, 10 windows open right now. And I know that it is a little bit distracting of, distracting of what's going on in the background. So it's very important to have uh, not that overlapping because what's happening is your brain's trying to remember what is behind. Now, when you have many things in that same visual field, this makes the brain go into memory mode and hence decision-making capacity, well, it's kind of reduced. Well, it is reduced uh, because the brain is forced to remember what you have back there, what's behind there. And that's why for, well, for example, say a war room or a flight control centre, why they have, and, and I guess in the stock market, why they have more than one computer screen. So the brain doesn't have to remember what is behind another page or another open window, uh, and, and it's all there, okay? Really important. So ta first lesson from Tales of Brain Surgery is the visual field enhancement. The next area is memory enhancement. So enhancing our memory. So wherever possible, prevent interruptions during this high level work. Now, you know, this is an obvious one, but there's actual a biology behind this. Now, the front part of your brain is that most intelligent, that prefrontal cortex. It adds value to information and then saves it into memory for distribution to other parts of your brain. And it saves data every 20 minutes, just like a computer. Well, sometimes my computer doesn't save it every 20 minutes. Uh, so if you get an interruption, it's like unplugging your computer. And all that's on that screen, you'll forget and it's lost. And we all know how frustrating that can be when we forget something suddenly or we're actually physically working on the computer and it's, it's suddenly switched off and we've lost what we've done. Now, common sources of interruptions are when we work from home would be uh, having, you know, working in the lounge room or working on the kitchen table where everyone else is coming and going. If you're in an office situation, an open door office or telephones going all the time, uh, it doesn't help our brain's memory function. And this, this goes for anyone. 
And this is why the ding of emails, notifications, or constantly jumping over to social media for that little bit of a hit and a high and emotional. There is an emotional hit when we do that. This is all affecting our memory. And it's, you know, it's no wonder we say things like, oh, I'm losing my memory, because we actually, we actually are. And that's why I have learned over the last few years to only ever manually check my email and my social media. I have no notifications at all, except when the phone rings or uh, I have texts. And even now, as I work, uh, not just while I'm recording a podcast, I tend to switch my phone to silent so that I can focus and use my brain the best way that I can and prevent those interruptions. So what can we learn from the brain surgeon so far? Well, visual field enhancement is important. Memory enhancement is important to prevent interruptions. The third area is memory management. Now listen to this. This is fascinating. 80% of the population get two peaks of intelligence per day. Wow. Do you know when those times are? Three hours and 10 hours after waking up. Now, the morning intelligence is a really deep intelligence, but sensitive to other people. Therefore, it's great for doing work by yourself, like uh, creative work or anything that requires a high focus or a high intelligence. Whereas the afternoon intelligence, which is the 10 hours after we wake up, is great for speaking, for oral communication, for maybe doing lives, for maybe doing meetings, for maybe doing coaching calls. And I have adopted this. I try and make sure my mornings are for writing, for creating content, for thinking, for planning. Whereas the afternoon, wherever possible, if I can stick to coaching calls and speaking, uh, I do that in the afternoon. So the surgeon suggests for peak intelligence, now remember 80% of the population get this. So it may not always work with you, but it also could could be a habit that you've created. He suggests don't have meetings before 11 a.m. Have them after lunch. That way you get great work done in the mornings and then that peak communication time for the afternoons. So three hours and 10 hours after waking up is when you get those two peaks of intelligence. Now, this could mean practically that you leave email to read in the afternoon, all right? Not start your day reading mail or email. And that's what we tend to do when we wake up and our brains get hijacked and we go off on a different tangent and we waste that first peak of intelligence. And it's not good because human intelligence will classify, therefore, that reading of mail as the most important thing of the day, when ultimately email is about other people's objectives, not always yours. So get your, so get your high intelligent work done first, then attend to emails. Don't train your brain to automatically check email when you wake up. Otherwise, you will get to the end of the day or every day without that sense of accomplishment. So use your brain, use that blood flow, use those peak uh, times of intelligence. And finally, the fourth area that this brain surgeon teaches us is the done enhancement, what he calls done enhancement. Let me explain. It's true that what gets measured gets done, isn't it? For example, if you measure the amount of time spent on a phone the time on the phone usually decreases. Whereas if you just talk away and don't even notice, it's the same. If you measure the time on the computer, 
the time usually decreases. Or if you put a figure in the heads of people, they are often more cost conscious. That's why I encourage us all to be really good at setting goals. So this has an impact on planning. So if at the start of the day you measure out time, you'll, you allocate to something, your brain will work to this. Now I used to just have my to-do list and I would work off that and you know, I felt very organized and I'd have my to-do list in categories and I'd move them around and I'd set the objectives, set them in an order at the start of the day, but never got through to the end of them. What changed my productivity was when I put the time on my calendar. I measured out how long something would take and I put it in my calendar with a little bit of buffer as well. But when I measured it, my brain worked to it. Incredible, isn't it? It's like that, that rule that if you have an hour to do something, you'll take an hour. If you have 10 minutes to do it, it's amazing. Usually you can push yourself. And I've done that before. We all know that when we're going on holidays, we're going on a vacation, we get work, more work done than we usually have done before. So Write it down. What you want done should be written down on a permanent method such as paper. It is so much more powerful putting a pencil to pen to paper than often electronic. And human intelligence sees a permanent presentation like something written down in front of you and acts on it as opposed to it being something that can be switched off. Wow, isn't that fascinating? Now, all of these tips are all backed up by the science of intelligence and how blood moves through the brain. Wow. <laughs> Great tales from brain surgery. I hope you enjoy that. Uh, take some of those, use it in your day to day, but have a good think about your brain and how you can best get the most out of it. I'll see you tomorrow. Hey, can you do me a favor? I've got three things I'd love you to do. Number one, pause and hit subscribe right now. Then number two, share it with someone you know that needs to hear this. And number three, go and write me a review. Yeah, it's a bit of a hassle to go find what to do, but it's really worth it to get the message out. And then finally, set a goal to go for a daily walk and listen to this podcast. Because the faster we can share this message, the greater the benefits. Thanks for listening and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye.